going on from there and, and being willing to go. No other reason to say to the call. Uh, I've asked Scott Berglund to come and give a charge to uh, Corwin this morning, just give him direction. Scott is kind of a part-time member of this church. He just doesn't realize it. He's the ideal person to, uh, to give this charge to the candidate. Scott, uh, about eight years ago, was planting a church with the Costamita Association of the Southern Baptists, still there, doing a fantastic job. Thank you. And... Uh, I got in touch with him through Jack, I've given Scott's name, and about did he know anyone who could come and be in a youth pastor in our church? We wanted a youth pastor to uh, prepare. We didn't have a lot of youth then. What did we have, one or two high schoolers and no middle schoolers or whatever? It, there weren't many. Corwin came and said, this is my youth team. Yeah, yeah, you got to build it. And over the years, they've grown into it, and he has a wonderful uh, youth program going on, and he's touched lives. But Scott suggested Corwin, and so the reason, humanistically speaking, that he's here is partially due to you, and you had worked with Corwin and a number of the other pastors here this morning. So I think that's great. Thank you, Scott. Absolutely. Uh, I have to correct a couple things that uh, Pastor Andy said. Uh, One, he asked me if I knew youth workers. I said no. But I do know a guy named Corwin. <laughs> and then he also said that we had worked together. I need to explain that that's a very loose definition of the word work. <laughs> Apparently I misunderstood the purpose of the morning. I thought you said this was going to be a roast. <laughs> well, so, well, I can't say any of those things. And I say any of those things and on the page three. <laughs> said let me start with things from Rock Bible Church in California uh, we were plant or replant or restart uh, a little bit after your very own church was a replant or restart uh, and I want uh, that none of us would probably be here Obviously, if it weren't for God, but if it weren't for Jack Roberts and uh, his connecting us, uh, our churches, and such. And I do want to thank uh, Andy uh, for getting to know you and then for that phone call and the opportunity to suggest Corwin. Uh, and then I want to thank you for the privilege and the honor that it is to be here today. Corwin, I will tell you, I have many, many good reasons not to be here today. As I was saying, I have many, many good reasons not to be here today, Uh, but I dealt with all of them because I I would not miss this day. I could not miss this day, and I will try to hold myself together. Uh, But lastly, I'd like to thank uh, Jay Ashcraft and his timeless effort and energy and uh, investment that he made in you and did not give up. uh, yeah, Jay, I, I did recognize Jay. He's good. Uh, <laughs> he he had to step out to his other commitment. Uh, but Corwin, I would uh, I would like to acknowledge the fact that on Wednesday, February twenty first, two thousand and eighteen, an ordination council met and affirmed your ordination, made a recommendation to the elders of. Brentwood Bible Fellowship, 
that you be confirmed as an ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, to which I sat upon, and today we celebrate. Today we give affirmation of what God has already done. Praise the Lord. We as people do not make any decision about you. We simply give confirmation of what God has ordained in you already. And now I would like, Corwin, uh, for you and I to talk and for us to, uh, while we acknowledge all of these people and all of their relationship with you and their tremendous love and affection and investment in your life, uh, I would like us to imagine that they are not here. I would like you, as best you can, to imagine that I am not here, and I will refrain from my normal jokes and sarcasm and irony, and I believe, try to give you what I believe God would call a charge from himself. And so in the next few moments, I would like to do several things. I'd like to give you seven verses. I'd like to give you seven charges. I'd like to answer three questions. How did you get here? Uh... Who are you, and what will you be doing? And then I'd, offer, I'd like to offer a blessing to end it. Uh, what does it take to be a man? When does a boy become a man? Uh, some today will turn 18. Does that make them a man? Uh, it does not. The ability to vote does not make a man. Uh, there are many things we could discuss and probably argue at the end, we would have to agree, uh, if a man becomes a man, it's because of God. Even more rare, what does it take to make a pastor? And while we appreciate seminaries, they do not make pastors. And while we love churches, they tend to crucify pastors. We have many things that we could argue but at the end, we would have to agree. If a pastor is made, he is ordained of God and not men. I suggest that that is what has happened today. And so I offer you seven verses. The first, Mark 5, uh, verses 18 through 19. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him and said to him, Go home to your friends, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, for he has had mercy on you. Corwin, my first charge to you, you have much to tell of what the Lord has done. Isaiah 6, 8, and I found it interesting as I prepared this morning and printed my notes and went to put them in the Bible. I cracked my Bible open into what I thought was generally the middle and went to set my notes in and found that I had come to Isaiah chapter 6. You were unwilling to answer the question Wednesday, what was your favorite verse? I will answer the question because long ago as a young man in high school, I was introduced to Isaiah 6.8. And I believe it is part of my call, and so I share it for you today. Isaiah 6, 8, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I. Send me. As a young man, I appreciated the response, the answer of Isaiah. I wanted to emulate that, copy it. 
can I be a person that says, here I am, send me. Uh, in my older age, and after a few years of pastoring, I am more impressed with God's statement of whom shall I send. Corwin, today, I charge you with, you are sent by God. Third verse, Jeremiah 9, 24. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. Corwin, you are running out of people who know more or understand better God himself. And you need to have confidence in that. Dare I say boast in it. But my charge to you is, Corwin, you know and understand the Lord. Praise him. Fourth verse. 1 Timothy 4, 14 through 15. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Corwin, you are gifted. And may you never question that. Ever. Fifth verse. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. And be strong. There are many professed men. There are many that think they are strong. There are some who claim to stand firm. But there are very few that are actually those. And we need men like you to be watchful. Corwin, you are strong. And let no one ever question that. And do not question it yourself. Because there will be times that you are questioned and you are tested. Eight different times in the Samuel books, the King David, or the yet-to-be king, depending on how you approach it, introduces the idea of the Lord's anointing and the idea that some would raise their hand against the Lord's anointed. I give you 1 Samuel 26, 11. The Lord forbid that I should put out my hand against the Lord's anointed, but take now the spear that is at his head and the jar of water and let us go. Many things in this passage. It is one of my favorite. But Corwin, I carefully charge you. You are the Lord's anointed. And it comes with a vast array of meaning. You must trust. When doubted by people, when doubted by your family, when questioned maybe by your wife, you need to believe that the Lord God is on your side. At the same time, you need to understand that there will be those that raise their hand against you. May you lead in such a way that it is clear that the Lord has anointed you and you create enough friction for those who are opposed to him that you appear to be a threat. And may the Lord protect you and guide you as his, Lord, as his anointed. Lastly, John fourteen twelve, Truly, truly, I say to you, Whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, 
This is Jesus speaking. I do not understand to this day how he could say this with conviction. I believe that he's never lied. But he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. What are you capable of, Corwin? Christ thinks much. And greater works than these will he do. Because I am going to the Father. Corwin, you have seen and done and experienced many great things up until this day. You will accomplish greater things than all those. You have the opportunity to, create, to experience greater works than Christ himself based on his promise. Corwin, you will do greater things than these. Corwin, I give you these seven verses and these seven charges that you may enjoy the role of pastor, that you will take with it all of the weight and meaning and opportunity. You will take it with your heart and your mind. You will use it as you lead your family, your wife, your church. And you will do it in such a way that you will rise to the occasion. I fear the Lord for the times that I did not rise to the occasion. And I praise him for the opportunities where he let me see my opportunity. And I rejected passivity. I accepted responsibility. I led courageously. And I invested eternally. May those four things be important to you. I cannot help but think today that on Wednesday we lost Pastor Billy Graham. He's resting with the Lord. On the same day, we ordained Corwin Wong. We traded. I would love to think that we traded up. That you can accomplish even greater things and rise to the occasion. Because what we experience today is rare. Ordinations don't happen very often. They are less frequent than funerals. They are less frequent than weddings. They are less frequent than baby dedications. They are less frequent than baptisms. They are less frequent than many, many things. Most of these people will never, ever understand or experience what it means to be you. What it means to be a pastor. And you have some double-digit number of pastors do who do understand what it is and what it means and what you're doing. And they were your age once, and they stand here in full affirmation of what you're doing. But early in my ministry, in the ministry you were a part of at Valley Community Church, I stood in my kitchen on a Saturday night. And I took a phone call. Pastor Laren's father, Lyndon Heath, a great pastor, by all accounts, who I met only a few times, had passed. And Laren was on the other line. Scotty, I think I need you to preach tomorrow. It was a longer conversation. But I got off the phone, and my wife said, who was that? It was Laren. We just lost his dad. 
We just lost a pastor. My wife said, that's horrible. I said, yeah, he asked me to preach tomorrow. What did you tell him? I said, no, I didn't think I could do it. And that has bothered me for years. Because I thought in the days that followed, how do we replace Lyndon? How do we replace a great pastor? We need new ones. We need to trade one for one. Or maybe we need to trade one for two. But we need more pastors. We can't just lose them. And I had an opportunity to rise to the occasion, and I choked. Interestingly enough, my pastor thought I could do it. My wife thought I could do it. They assumed yes, and I assumed no. May you struggle and end up in a better answer than I did. Cohen, I offer a blessing to you, and for those of you that feel comfortable with this and would be willing to raise your right hand towards Corwin, and Corwin, if you would rise, Corwin Wong, as if you were asking God to do these things for him, Corwin, may you have the persistence of Noah, the faith of Abraham, the obedience of Isaac, the shrewdness of Jacob, the leadership of Moses, the courage of Joshua, the passion of Samson, the heart of David, the wisdom of Solomon, the commitment of Nehemiah, the zeal of John the Baptist, the boldness of Peter, and the effectiveness of Paul. And may you have the God of them all, and may you do greater things than these. Amen? Thank you, Scott. We met as a council on Wednesday, as you have heard. A number of the council members are here. They gave us a recommendation that uh, Corwin be ordained for the ministry of the gospel. I'm going to ask one of our deacons, John Ryther, if he would come at this time and uh, read the recommendation as we have it. We don't have all of the minutes here from that because it would take a book probably, but uh, Corwin did admirably, all right, he was fantastic, and so if you want to just come up here, John, I'll give you the mic, and you can read that, and uh, then I'm going to ask uh, all of the men who are pastors, uh, ordained pastors, uh, licensed pastors to come up, and we will have a prayer of dedication for you, led by Jack Roberts. Okay. I didn't get to see Scott's script, so I reiterate what Scott and what Andy have already said. On Wednesday, February 21st, 12 pastors met here at our church to conduct an ordination council review to determine qualifications of Corwin Wong to become an ordained pastor. After listening to the answers he gave their questions and the knowledge they have regarding his life, they feel he is qualified to enter the ministry of the gospel, and they unanimously recommended that he be ordained by Brentwood Bible Fellowship. We're here today to comply with their recommendation and through this ordination service to welcome ordained pastor Corwin Wall.
Corwin, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask that you come and right over here, right over there. There's not an X, just right in there, not not to come forward because I would like all of those who are licensed and ordained pastors to please come along with uh, Paul Navarro, our deacon, as along with John, and uh, gather around Corwin. Corwin, would you please kneel down? Yeah, Mandy can join us. She's going to be, uh, I was going to introduce him at the end, but this is good. I like that. Mandy, why don't you go in there, and if you want to kneel, that would be good. If you don't feel like that, uh, we're going to, uh, Dr. Lauren Heath will share in just a moment, but Jack Roberts, uh, if you would pray a prayer of dedication, would you all gather around, put your hands either on a person in front of you or on Corwin Mandy. Our Abba, who art in heaven, Lord, I pray that Corwin will always be blessed with the knowledge that you are both the Heavenly Father and that you can talk to you as a personal Father. I pray, Lord, that we will live a life that will honor your name pray, Lord, that he would bring your kingdom to earth in a way that people will see the love that you had when you sent your son. I pray, Lord, that you will watch over him and keep him from the evil one. Lord, I pray that he would always know that he needs a shepherd and that you would keep him from the sin of the morning help him to be satisfied with all the things that he has given. Lord, I pray that you would watch over him with your rod and your staff that would be there to protect him, Lord, in times where he walks through the valley of the shadow. And I pray, Lord, that you would always chase after him, even in those sometimes dry desert experiences where we feel like we are a long way to that he will know that he will take that from you know, all the days of his life. I pray these things in the power of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, Mandy, why don't you just stay with, with Corwin a moment? Uh, Paul, uh, I'm going to give you that, and I'll let you just a moment. I do want to mention uh, Jack Roberts. Jack Roberts is a missionary for the Costa Mita Association of the Southern Baptist. He is the one who contacted me first and came here and was here for a period of time before I came as pastor. So as Scott said, we have a lot that we owe Jack. Both of us were contacted and and led into the association and the churches where we are. So we thank you, Jack, and thank you for coming and sharing uh, this morning in prayer. Uh, Paul Navarro is one of our deacons. Thank you, Andy. I'm honored that I can be here to present this to Corwin and to Mandy. Anyway, this is a certificate of ordination, and I'm going to read just the top part of it. It says, we the undersigned upon the recommendation of Brentwood Bible Fellowship had full and sufficient opportunity for judging the God-given gifts, Christian experience, 
call to ministry and views of the Bible doctrine hereby certify that Corwin Wong was solemnly and publicly set apart and ordained to the work of the gospel ministry. Corwin, on behalf of Brentwood Bible Fellowship, the members and the people that are here, I give you this certificate of ordination that says that you are now a full and real ordained minister of this church. Thank you so much. He already was. We just finally recognized it. But uh, thank you. You can go ahead and have a seat. I'm going to ask Laren to come forward at this time. Uh, Laren Heath was a pastor when Corwin was growing up and close to his family and close to Corwin. And where would you like me to put this? Let's see. I'll see. I'll just, uh, I just feel better if it's around. Okay. Dr. Heath, you probably don't want this, so do you? No. Is, uh, is now a professor at uh, Tozier Seminary up in Reading. I could put the initials on there, but uh, yeah. we'll just go with Tozier right now. So uh, he goes to Reading each week and works with young students, uh, seminary students that are preparing for the ministry. And we appreciate the job you're doing. Thank you so yeah. much. We appreciate your being here today. Thank, Thank you. Thank Well, um, I was asked to give a charge to you, the congregation. And I'm thinking, how do I charge the congregation? Is that like charge you money or something? Or is that like charge of a cavalry, right? Military thing? No. What's a charge? Maybe it's like uh, when we need to charge our batteries. Does that happen sometimes? Our batteries run low sometimes. So maybe we could do um, a kind of thing that recharges your batteries. And uh, I'm not sure I'm capable of that. At least my words aren't big enough for that. I don't have that kind of power. But the Word of God does. Word of God is strong enough and big enough to recharge our batteries. So I'd like to visit the epistle to Hebrews. And the last chapter, chapter 13, has a charge to the congregation concerning your leaders. And there's uh, not seven. I came up with three, yay, maybe even four. We'll see if we get to the fourth. The first comes in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders who spoke to you the word of God about Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not get carried away with all sorts of strange teachings, for it is well that our hearts be strengthened by grace through Christ, who suffered outside the city gate in order to cleanse us from sin and make us whole again by his blood. It's pretty good, isn't it? Remember those leaders of the church who have been faithful to that one word spoken to us in Jesus Christ. Don't follow strange words. 
That's what Wednesday's ordination council is all about. Together, we confirm that Corbin isn't chasing after strange teachings, but is faithful to that one word of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember your leaders who faithfully speak to you that one word of salvation. Reminds us another remembrance, doesn't it? Remember the bread and the cup of our salvation. Every time we share communion, we remember the gospel made visible in the bread and the cup. Corin makes the gospel alive in his proclamation of the word of God. Um, what's interesting here, too, before we go to our next text, is um, that he's been faithful to this one gospel word about Jesus Christ who suffered But the book of Hebrews, in a special way, reminds us that he suffered outside the city. It's important in the book of Hebrews because the epistle to the Hebrews makes much of the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, there's a scapegoat who goes outside the city gates to carry away the sins of the city or the sins of the community. And whenever we are together as a community of people, of God's people, gathered together in church, there's a certain amount of, well, stuff that sometimes happens, doesn't it? Envy and jealousy, factions and dissensions. And don't we have to kind of clean this up and put it on the scapegoat and let God take it out? We don't have to look for scapegoats anymore. The scapegoat, Christ Jesus, has carried away the sins of our community so that we can be recharged again. Reminds me of a hymn, Tell Me the Old, Old Story of Jesus and His Love. May that story forever recharge us. Well, there's a second a little further on in Hebrews chapter 13, it says, Pray for your leaders that they may be equipped for every good thing according to God's will, to the glory of Christ. Pray for your re- leaders. Is that interesting? The Apostle Paul almost always ends his letters by asking the congregation to pray for him. In Colossians, he says, Pray for me that I might know how I best should preach the gospel, how I ought to preach the gospel. Now, wouldn't you think that Paul would know how to preach the gospel? Why does he need our prayers? You see, the preaching of the gospel is never a canned event. The gospel is not canned. The gospel is alive and active sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting to the very heart of soul and spirit, bone and marrow. That's why Corin needs your prayers, because it's a Holy Spirit event, a Holy Spirit event in which the gospel comes to us new every morning. There's nothing stale about the old, old story of Jesus and his love is always fresh, real, a Holy Spirit event. 
So he needs your prayers that it might go heart to heart, soul to soul, the grace and wonder of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a third. Be responsive to your leaders, says in verse 17 of Hebrews 13. Be responsive to your leaders and welcome their counsel, for they are keeping watch over your souls. For your sake, for your congregation's sake, let the joy of their ministry outweigh the grief. It's kind of fun, isn't it? This pastoral duty, not just a preacher or a teacher, but a pastor. And the deep, heavy labor of the pastor is to keep watch over your souls. And that always comes with grief. It's just a part of it. Part of the deal. The Apostle Paul says to the Corinthians, I've spent many sleepless nights over you. Many sleepless nights. There's grief in it. But the joy outweighs the grief. And you have a lot to do as a congregation with assuring that the joy will outweigh the grief. Paul says says of the Thessalonica church that you've brought joy to my life, to my ministry. Let's bring joy to the ministry of our leaders, particularly on this day to bring joy to the life of Corman. Um... Let Christ, our crucified scapegoat, carry away all the grief of envy and jealousy of factions and dissension. And let's be recharged with the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, happiness. Gospel means good news, right? Now, if we gather together here to hear the gospel and proclaim the gospel, and the grief outweighs the joy, we might wonder if the gospel is really good. If it just brings sorrow, it's no good. But if when we gather together, the joy outweighs the grief, that there is happiness, that there is joy in the life of the congregation, and an unbeliever outsider comes in, he's going to know that Christ is really present among you. That the gospel is not only heard but lived. That there's goodness and joy in this congregation. Well, we'll do the fourth, one more. It's kind of a surprise. It comes at the very end of Hebrews. And as you may know, in almost, I suppose, all the epistles, we always end with a greeting. And like in, uh, I don't know, Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Thessalonians, Peter. It says, greet one another with a holy kiss. Did we do that this morning? Maybe, maybe we're not supposed to actually do that. Is that how that works? It's funny, this is one time in which us folks who think of ourselves as biblical literists all of a sudden decide maybe not. 
Uh, maybe that's because we're sort of caught without wit or custom concerning such things, don't we? Well, in Hebrews, it drops the kiss thing, so we don't have to worry about that today. But it adds something that no other epistle adds. We won't find it in any other book, Bible. There's a greeting, but it goes like this. Greet all your leaders. Grace be with you all. Amen. Greet your leaders. Isn't that interesting? Why would it say that? What's so good about a greeting? What difference does a greeting make? What difference does a greeting make in the life of your leaders? What difference does a greeting make in the life of Corin? Thinking of that great blessing, may the Lord bless you and keep you, Mother. Lord, lift up his countenance upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Countenance, face, shine. I think that's what's hap- what happens in a greeting, isn't it? Somebody greets you. And their countenance is lifted up. And their face is sort of bright and shines. And they act as if they're happy to see you. <laughs> Doesn't that make for a pretty good day? And if we fail to greet, if we fail to lift up our countenance, if we turn our face, if there's no smile, there's no happiness, there's no joy, if we mope around, that brings grief. Not only to the leader, but it brings grief to all. Greetings matter. Isn't that something? That's what the Bible says. And greetings matter to your leaders. When I came here this morning, I was greeted out in the parking lot by these couple of guys. Where was that guy? There he is. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. You know, as soon as I saw you guys, I thought, hey, this is okay. This is going to be fun. This is a good place. Or, Andy, when your lovely wife Darlene greeted me, that was even better than your greeting. (laughs) (laughs) Greet one another. I shouldn't tell this story. I wasn't going to, but One time we had a youth pastor. I won't name names. And he was good in lots of ways. But you know what he couldn't do? He couldn't greet people. The people in the front office would tell me, Larry, he just walks in and he walks out. He never says hi to us. So I go talk to him. I say, hey, you know, when you walk in, you've got to say hi. You've got to greet people. He'd keep it up for a week and then he'd slip into his old ways. If you're one of his people, if you were cool, he would shine his face on you. But if you weren't, no greeting. Greet all people in the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let your faces shine. And it just makes it a lot easier to be a leader when you greet your pastor's with a bright and shiny face.
So we don't have to greet our pastors with a kiss this morning. You're off the hook on that. But may this one word of God recharge you with power to greet Corn, his lovely wife, with bright and shiny faces. Amen? Thank you, Laren. Wow. That's amazing. I will admit, I will mention this, though. If you are to greet with a holy kiss, please, we have mints in the uh, entry back there. We appreciate that. Thank you. It is so good to have you here. And all of those, Sid and uh, Scott, uh, Jay's gone, but each one who has had such a, an important part in Corwin's life growing up and set an example for him and direction and that is so good. Uh, we are going to sing one last song in just a moment, but I'm going to ask Reverend Corwin Wong if he would come up with his wife, Mandy, and if he would give us the benediction uh, before we go out. Don't forget, we have a wonderful, wonderful uh, celebration meal that we're going to be able to share in, and I'm excited about that. We welcome you all to stay with us. Uh, I think there's plenty of food, if not uh, we'll get somebody that's really good to break the bread, and we'll get a lot more. So, um, so anyway, it is. Uh, take a deep breath, Corwin. This is uh, your first one as the ordained minister. Feels like I'm supposed to do a wedding. I present to you, uh, Mr. and Mrs. Corwin, Mandy Wong. Uh, but that's not the case. That's it. Hold hands. This is good. Uh, a good thing. And you know, the one thing we missed here, and uh, we should have done. And I've never seen this done in an ordination service is somebody should have given a charge to his wife. Because I want to tell you, pastors' wives are special. And they are faithful. And they oftentimes put up with so much when their pastor husband is gone in the evenings and gets up and goes to other things and there are sometimes expectations of them by the church that they are also part of the pastor. And certainly most pastors' wives are. They pick up and they do the job that God's called them to do, and I'm so thankful for them. But it's very easy, Mandy, uh, when your, your husband gets very busy to begin to not be happy with the church because they take away your husband. And it's hard to be jealous of God's work. So uh, if someone had given a challenge to you, I'm sure they would have shared a number of different things. But God has called you also to a very important ministry. And God uses you uh, to share his grace with the congregation that the two of you are called to. And uh, Corwin's going to need your support and strength all the way along. So I am so thankful for you, and I've seen that. It's there. But uh, I just want to say that... Uh, Sometimes we ordain the pastor, and that's important, but we also should have someone come up and say, greet his wife with a broad smile. Uh, she may need that in the morning, and uh, I think that's special. So especially when you got four little ones running around, and it's been a late night and all night, and uh, so she needs that. But Corwin, I'm going to ask you to uh, pray the prayer of benediction, and then we're going to sing one last song with our praise team. 
You guys stand and with us? We have an annual meeting on Wednesday. Annual meeting Wednesday night. Don't miss it. <laughs> but thank you for your support. Uh, before I pray, I do need to say a few words. Uh, this wouldn't mean it nearly as much if we didn't have eight years behind us of uh, relationships here at this church. And um, if there was any time, I, I've doubted the call a few times, but now is one of those times only because of the accountability that the congregation holds. And I thank you for that. Um, it, it doesn't mean the same thing without the accountability of brothers and sisters in Christ to hold me accountable, hold Pastor Andy accountable. And uh, in whatever church you belong to, uh, that's what makes this call so significant is the people that we're ministering to. So uh, thank you. Uh, for providing that um, the uh, accountability in that, so you you're the ones that make it most significant. So let me pray for us, and then we'll sing together. Father, we praise you. Uh, we exalt Christ this morning as the sole reason why we're all gathered here together. We're in the service to honor this ordination, but. Uh, You've called us all into this special relationship with you through Christ alone. And so we thank you for that. You've placed us call upon all of our lives to be, to be one with Christ and to be united with you forever. And so right now we, we use this time to, uh, to focus on that most of all. And we as a congregation, as Brentwood Bible Fellowship, uh, we, it is our goal to continue this uh, this atmosphere of loving and supporting one another in this ministry and all those who serve in the children's ministry, youth ministry, seniors ministry, every ministry here, you've called people with different gifts and abilities to serve in your church. And so we pray for your help, the guidance of your spirit to help us do that all for your glory. And with all that being said, we, we just pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.